But overall, I thought the N1 was super easy. Like I got a perfect score in one try and I finished the test in like half the time. And then I like put my head down on the desk to like flex on all the other students. <laughs> I was like, if this was anything less than perfect, I would have been like older disappointed in myself. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kodakata Podcast. So this week we talked to Patrick, who you guys might know as Shirobon or the disciple of Ajat on Twitter. So he's been studying Japanese for over 11 years. So in the podcast, we talk about his experience learning Japanese, moving to Japan, and also his experience using Super Memo, an advanced space repetition system. But you know what we've been doing for over 11 years? Absolutely shocking. The like button, guys. So make sure you do that and follow us on Twitter. You guys enjoy the podcast. All right. So, Patrick, can you give us a quick background of who you are and where you're at today? Yeah. So, uh, hi, guys. Uh, my name is Patrick. Um, I've been living in Japan currently uh, for about a year and a half at this point. And um, I've been doing age at for about 11 years at this point. Um, I started in November 2010, and I was uh, pretty hardcore about it for the first few years. And then since then, I've uh, kind of just been on maintenance mode, just uh, doing a lot more passive than active. Um, and then always had a dream to uh, come to Japan and live here. And then a year and a half ago, I uh, made it reality. So you've been actually like fluent in Japanese for <clears throat> a lot longer since you've been like since coming here to, to Japan, right? Yeah, so I would say my current... I was like at probably 90% of my current level in like 2014, which would have been like three years into the process. And then since then, I kind of took things back a little. I guess you could say I got right. lazy, but um, right. I just kind of like Did you... maintaining sense. Okay. So what about like speaking, speaking wise? Because a lot of age adders, they really focus on immersion yeah. and don't really have that much opportunity to speak. Do you like... What was your approach for becoming able to speak? I mean, just like all the other age adders, it was all, all immersion. So I didn't really yeah. do much for uh, speaking. And uh, I mean, I lived in a place in Texas where there was like no Japanese people at all. So there was like no one in real life to talk to in Japanese as well. Um, so I kind of like, I guess you could say I neglected speaking um, all the time until I came to Japan because um, I didn't really like talk to anyone on the internet either. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really put like any like focus on speaking so this is like a 10 years until first output yeah. type of situation yeah. <laughs> Japanese for the first time after 10 years of age <laughs> i mean yeah pretty much you could say that and, and what's the result like, so just did, pure yeah, native yeah did it go as you expected i mean i don't i mean most of my interactions they seem to like just uh treat me as like a normal japanese person so i guess that's i guess that's okay um, you just opened your mouth and native Japanese starts pulling no, out. I, I wouldn't say, <laughs> is that, is I, I would, that what I wouldn't happened? Say it was, I wouldn't say my Japanese, especially spoken, is close to native, but I mean, I guess it's pretty jolzu. But, right. But it's, right, it's, okay. nowhere, it's nowhere near our walk. That's the Japanese in you talking. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the, the native Japanese person yeah. you is talking right now. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It's nowhere where I want to be right now, and there's still a lot more uh, room for improvement to, uh, I guess, be realistic about it. But it's, uh, it, it's decent. I, I, let me just rephrase the question then, because I, I think we can get to the bottom of this. So how much did you shock Japanese people when you first started speaking Japanese in Japan? I think that's what we need to get to the bottom of here. All right. Well, I guess you could say I completely blew their mind. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, there was, um, like, like, I, like, I went to a few parties, um, like, with friends and uh, with my girlfriend. Like, we uh, just, like, go to a few parties or whatever. And like most of the people there, you know, I don't know them. So, you know, first, 
you know, first I introduced myself to them and they're all, they're all like, oh my God, like, how do you speak Japanese? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, I don't know, I've been, I've been studying for like 10 years, I guess. And then they're like, oh, oh okay, okay. Oh, so you like the shock value instantly went away in <laughs> yeah. ten years. Yeah, I mean, like well, once the I guess once the years get longer and longer, uh, then I guess it becomes more uh, obvious that you can speak. Like, like if, 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 if you're like fluent after like two years, then their minds can be completely blown. But if, if you like pull out, yeah, I've been studying for 10, 11 years, and they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe the play is you just always divide by 10 years to your actual amount of time spent <laughs> learning Japanese. It's like the formula to shock Japanese people. Yep. What about what if you've been learning for like a month? That means like you, you learn Japanese <laughs> in like a day or less than a day. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned that you go to these parties with um, your girlfriend. Yeah. Is, does your girlfriend happen to be Japanese? Yeah, she's a yeah, she's Japanese. Do you feel like there's any help towards your speaking ability from that at all? I mean, I feel like there probably has been, but I, I, I like considering like how I feel when I actually speak, how I felt speaking, like I guess confidence wise and ability find like to find the words wise, like from one year ago and like one now and right now, like I kind of <laughs> feel the same. So, you know, may, may, you know may, maybe realistically there was a benefit, but like mentally speaking I, I feel the same i guess i guess one tangible benefit is i think my pitch accent has improved because like she used to she used to uh like like point fun at it <laughs> she, she was like she's like you sound so weird it's like well like all your uh all your words at the end they like seem to rise and like and until she told me that like i i totally like didn't realize that and then after she said that i started like thinking about my own speech i was like damn like pretty much all my all my sentences like they just like consistently rise in tone so i mean after after that i kind of like put more i guess focus into paying attention to like what other people are saying like how they're saying it and like and then like i guess trying to imitate in my own speech and i feel like probably be because of that my pitch accent has improved to a degree um because like honestly until i came here like like i knew about pitch accent like from like you know matt's videos talking about it and like dogan has his pitch accent series but i was kind of just like brush it off you could say i was like it's kind of a pain it's kind of a pain to study and uh <laughs> you know i'm sure i can figure out it eventually like naturally just through enough immersion but i mean i guess after 11 years if you can't figure it out then it's a sign that maybe you need to uh, put a little more conscious effort into it and i guess one other thing is like you took the you took the jlpt and one yeah. right what was your what was your experience with that and like how'd you do okay so i took the jlpt and one in december 2019 so that would have been like nine years after i started age at and um like i got a perfect score in one try um and i finished the test like the written portion of the test in like half the time and then i like put my head down on the desk to like flex on all the other students <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, mean, I thought I thought the uh, N one was really easy. It's like it's easier. It's like easier than my immersion, right? Like if you're like reading like regular books and like news or whatever, like the N the yeah. the N one is easier than that. So it, it kind of felt like I was like a native English speaker taking like a English test made for like fifth graders. You know, that's that's pretty much what the like JLPTM one is. So, you, so you would you say like you you literally don't didn't see any words you didn't know. On the test yeah dude like there's there no guessing at all it's like i knew all the answers it was it was like so easy damn <laughs> like in like the listening portion too like i know the listening portion can uh 
you know, get a, get a lot of people because there's also like a... They kind of trick you. I mean, yeah, they kind of trick you. And there's also like a... It also kind of like relies Memory on aspect. your ability to like memorize. They'll like ask you like... Or they'll say like a bunch of things and you got to like write it down. And then at the end, they're going to ask, it's like, you know, what X did Y or whatever, right? Like those kind of questions. Right, so yeah. if like, if you just don't remember, then you can get those wrong. But I made a, I made a point to like write down everything that I heard. So it's like, I wouldn't get tripped up on the uh, like memorization part. But overall, I thought the N1 was super easy. And when I got a perfect score in the uh, mail on like the certificate, yeah, I was like, if this was anything less than perfect, I would have been like ultra disappointed in myself. It's <laughs> like learns Japanese for ten years and like doesn't get perfect score on the N one. That would have been pretty. Uh, that would have been pretty disappointing. Have you looked into any other tests? I know there's like, I think there's like another one that's like hard. Yeah, there's like a business. One. Yeah, it's. Uh, I forgot the name of the test, but it's like ran by the Konkin organization, and it's like a business test. I was looking into that. Um, but it, it just seems like a pain to like take. It's right. like I've had better things to do than like sit and take this like multiple hour like standardized test. And I mean, I mean, I'm not, right, even, right. I'm not even sure how how well it'll like help my career, like my career prospects either. Because it's like true. I feel like N1 is good enough to begin with, and then if you've if you've been like if your resume says that, like you've been working at Japanese companies, then you know. It's probably fine. But imagine taking a test with Japanese people and then putting your head down and flexing on them. Just, just imagine that feeling. That's probably better than <laughs> taking any the work Kankin. prospect. Dude, yeah. like, you putting your head down. Dude, I mean, like, like you say that, but I'm actually studying for the content right now, so that'll be a goal in the near future. Oh, damn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to have, have the hit, hidden camera inside of you putting your head down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have to see this now. We have to see it. I, I mean, I, I did hear about one like newer study method popping up. Um, I think Eric has taken pretty good advantage of this, but this is just only immersing in the Kodakata podcast. I know this has again proven results to getting in JLPT, Konken, the, what, the, the business test that Patrick was just taught, any test actually in any language, you know? So yeah. hook up all your monitors, hook up your, your AirPods, yeah. hook it all up. It's the way to do it. Sounds promising. <laughs> I guess like, okay, after like nine, you think after nine years, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty much. Were you still doing Anki at that time? Okay, so at that point, it's like ever since like I finished my hardcore phase of Japanese learning with Ajet, it's like I kind of had like a rough road with Anki where it's like I would like stop doing Anki for like a month and I have like 2000 reps pile up. And it's like over the course of two days, I just like blast through them. And then I like kind of continued that for like years and years. And then at one point I like, I just kind of stopped using Anki. And that was probably around like eight years in. Cause I was like, uh, I'm like so bad with like using Anki now. It's like there's no point in like use month and then like falling off the horse again. And you, so you were still adding cards throughout those uh, the years where you were not doing consistently. Yeah. So I mean, I had phases of adding cards. It's like I would get like a like a rush of motivation, and then I'd like add add a lot more cards, and then it's like the uh, motivation would die off, and then I would like rep the cards for a while, and then I'd like stop repping them, and then. And then like two months later, I'd be like, damn, like, what am I doing? It's like, I got to be studying my Anki cards. So then it's like, I get a rush yeah. of motivation from the shame of like not doing it. And it was just like a cycle <laughs> that like continued over and over. Seems like a, seems like a common age adder pattern. But yeah. Do, um, do you know how many cards you got to? Okay. So at the end of like my hardcore phase, you know, probably like two years after the end of my hardcore phase, I had added in total like 
thousand. But I deleted a lot of my cards too. So like my active card count was like 9,500 or so. So a little under 10,000. So that means like over the time I deleted like 2,500 cards. Right. Um, but yeah, pretty much like 10,000 you could say. And I guess like another thing is that I saw on Twitter that you were experimenting with Superman. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I guess like for people who don't know, Supermemo is actually, it's actually the one of the first programs that use the space repetition, right? Yeah. So it, it's like the first made by the guy who like yeah. made the like original algorithms. Yeah. And so his, apparently like it's a space repetition program like Anki, but it's like the most advanced algorithm like known to man for for like space repetition like Anki is actually a very like rudimentary algorithm yeah. and this guy has like the most like advanced one but you have to pay for it and it's only on windows yeah but yeah so i guess like what was your experience using super minimal just using the program like just in terms of using the program um Anki is way more of a i guess user-friendly experience like when it comes to like making cards it's like way more convenient with the uh, templates and stuff and being able to like do your reps on like your mobile device is like probably the uh, biggest thing for everybody. Um, but in terms of the like a actually a actual algorithm, like Super Memo, um, the algorithm is a lot more efficient and you have way less reps, but um, you have way less reps at the cost of your retention rate. So the way Super Memo works is that you specify a target retention rate. So you, you say like, I want to remember 90% of all my material at repetitions, right? And so like, there, there's no concept of that in Anki, right? It's like, you just do your reps over time and then, you know, you kind of like stabilize towards a certain retention rate. And, you know, for most people, it seems to be around like 90, like 85 to 90%, right? But how Supermental works is it'll like dynamically tune the algorithm so that you like keep keep 90% target or whatever you set it to be. So you can set it to be higher or lower, but 90% is like the default case. So basically how it works is Supermemo will, um, it'll like schedule cards over time and then see how well you remember them. So it's like with Anki, the default behavior, it's like one minute, 10 minutes, and then you see the card in one day and then it's considered learned, right? And then that's when the intervals start multiplying. Whereas what Supermemo does is like on your first rep, it'll say, all right, you know, this card will be shown in two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, seven days, and so on, up to 20 days, right? It'll collect uh, information on your memory on how well you remember those cards, like how far in the future after the first repetition. So it's like, it'll say, uh, you remembered, you know, 95% of your cards two days, like after two days, right? And then you remembered 92% of your cards in three days. And then you remembered, you know, 89% of your cards in, you know, four days, and then like 80, like 82% in five days and so on and so on, right? And then, so it, for every rep you do, it adds more information to like the model of your memory and it draws like forgetting curves for your own memory. So then it'll say, if you forgot, you know, 89% of your cards in four days, but remembered, you know, 92% in three days, then it'll like say, you know, let's say 3.5 days is, you know, when you can remember 90% of your material. So like for, it collects a whole bunch of data on your repetition history, and then it kind of like dynamically tunes the intervals so that you'll always uh, meet your target. And the effect is that you have a lot less repetitions in the uh, early stage, because one, it's separating the repetitions out further away, so it'll collect information on your memory, but also since it's trying to meet like a specified target, like you can actually study way less than like you might think you need to, to like meet that 90% target.
Do you, so do you find it to be more enjoyable than Anki? Because like you said before, like Anki, you, you like dropped it. Yeah. Probably because of some inefficiencies with Anki, right? But with, with this, do you feel like it's easier to stick with it longer? Yeah. All right. So because is it he he argue, he wants people to do it for life, right? Like the author is doing it for life. Yeah. So I mean, like that's a, that's a really good point that you uh, mentioned too. It's like the uh, the the use cases of Anki and uh, Super Memo are like pretty pretty different when it comes to like the core user base. So the uh, like like when it comes to Anki, it's I guess better geared towards short short term learning and people who like just wanna I guess learn a lot of facts right about like a specific topic right yeah. so like language like uh, language learning so like you gotta learn a lot of vocab a lot of you gotta do like a lot of sentence cards or whatever so like Anki is good for that um, it's like they do it for like lifelong learning and they like SRS like everything they come across in their life. And Super Memo enables this with a feature called like incremental reading, which is basically it's a way to uh, like import like web pages and articles and just like anything that you would like read into the program. And then you can make cards from that material directly in the program. Like you can make closed deletions from that material and you can just kind of like sift through the document. So if something gets boring, you can like go to the, another document and learn about something else. So it's like people like super memo users who are like devoted to the program, they like do this like for their whole life, like for hours a day. And they end up with collections of like hundreds of thousands of cards. Like I think the uh, creator of super memo, his collection is like 600,000 cards. And it's just like, fact, oh it's God. like facts about everything. It's like, like everything, yeah. everything you learn, it's like, he wants to remember. So it's like, that's kind of like the, uh, that's, that's kind of like, a, I guess how most super memo users like the devoted ones use our program, whereas Anki is better for like sp learning about like specific things um, and just doing like a lot of uh, like facts, like facts about specific things. I was just imagining like his daily like routine is probably also his nightly routine. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> right if, you, if, you go on, if you go on his, uh, his, his, his website and he has like a wiki as well. Yeah. Like he, he talks about his like personal life and um, like, like basically super memo like rules his life because like he added like all these like scheduling features in to the super memo as well and also has this thing uh called like a priority list where you can like enter things you want to do or like tasks you have to do and assign a priority right. and then the program will figure out when like when you're supposed to do each thing so he just kind of like uh <laughs> devotes right. his life to super memo and then super memo like takes the wheel from there right yeah i'm, I'm glad you're not rushing in having a 24-hour morning Anki routine. You wake up and yeah. then yeah. <laughs> Anki goes all the way. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild. But you know what isn't wild? The Kota got a message. And I know, Patrick, this is something you've been working towards ever since you started learning Japanese for 11 whole years. Yeah. You know your goal was to go to Japan, but it was also to go and craft the perfect Korekara message. So I know you've In spent native Japanese. In, in native, native Japanese. Japanese. Exactly. Thank you, <laughs> yeah. Eric. So Patrick, in native <laughs> Japanese, this is what we've been waiting for. The lights are shining bright onto you, and I'm going to pass it off to you to go and bring your Korekara message to life. Whew. All right. That was a... It's pretty inspirational. All right, I guess my uh, <laughs> message in native Japanese would be uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh
いいねボタンを徹底的にぶっ潰してやってくれ。Hey guys, thanks for making it to the end of the podcast. Comment down below if you would ever use Super Memo. But you already know what time it is, guys. It's time to shout out our pigs. Great for us. Can I help you? 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 Can I help you?